Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the hour of truth with Richard Lawrence and Christy Blaze. Welcome to Body, Mind, Spirit Radio. Today is September 16th, 2014, and you are listening to Aetherius Radio Live, which comes to you every third Tuesday at 1 p.m. I know our hosts have an amazing show for you today, so without further ado, I give you hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Courtney. I just have to begin by um, saying hi, Richard. <laughs> hi, Chrissy. How is it there in England? Uh, do you have that? We have a little nip in the air. I think can feel autumn fall coming along. Unfortunately. <laughs> yes, we we have. It's good here, actually. It's good, but um, yeah. we have to apologise to our listeners, our regular listeners. First of all, I think for what happened a month ago. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. Blog Talk Radio, there was something uh, went awry, and the whole thing was uh, unable to broadcast. So we're a month behind schedule. But it's kind of interesting, Chrissy, because. The eighth freedom, which we're going to be talking about, Saturnian existence, the mission that the Ethereum Society performs, actually, is something we've been commemorating in the last week, uh, because the Saturn mission, as we call it, uh, is actually something we commemorate. It started on September the 11th, so maybe it's a very timely thing. Absolutely. Sometimes these things happen, and afterwards you think, well... Maybe there was a good reason. So this probably is the time. Um, Maybe. Do you want to explain to the listeners a little about the Saturn mission, Richard? Or uh, Absolutely. And just before I do, another interesting thing that I must put on record for the first time, actually, uh, that, I, that since we last spoke, is that I did have a, a sighting, a UFO sighting, wow. um, here in, in Fulham, believe it or not. My wife and I had it. We, we, walk, we go for a walk pretty well every night, as you know, Chrissy, uh, in the evening, yeah. wherever we are, if we can, weather permitting, and we're always looking at the sky, and we're pretty sceptical about sightings, to be honest. We um, you know, know about satellites, meteorites. We've had Chinese lanterns, obviously various kinds of aircraft, light shows from pop concerts, you name it. So we, we're on the lookout always, every, pretty well every night, but we haven't seen a UFO for years. Actually, I would like to call it an IFO because we identified it. Yeah. But this one was, um, this, this happened um, last Saturday. Not the Saturday that's just gone, but the Saturday before. must have been the 6th of September. And it was moving very slowly across the sky. It wasn't flashing like an aircraft flashes. It's green and red lights. But was ready orange in color, round, about the height of an aircraft, but round in shape, moving slowly towards us, um, and then it stopped dead still, completely still, and stayed there for a, a number, about a minute maybe, and then started very slowly to disappear, to not to sort of go behind a cloud, because it, there weren't clouds there, but to mm. very slowly diminish in size until it completely, after about 15 seconds of this, just disappeared from view. So that was a very interesting sighting and um, thought I'd like to take the chance to mention it. And and while we're on the subject of UFOs, can I just mention also I'm going to be speaking on the 27th of September, because I didn't get a chance to mention this to Courtney, at the 6th Annual British Exopolitics 
uh, Expo. Oh. And there's lots mm. of UFO activity. In fact, I'm giving a lecture there called Dr. George King, Yoga Master, UFO Contactee. Fantastic. So that's interesting. And that'll, yeah, that'll be in Leeds, in, in the north of England. And anyone who can get there who listens uh, in West Yorkshire, please come along. You'll find all the details on my website, and you can link across to the ExoPolitics website from there. That's a very interesting website, actually, isn't it, Richard? ExoPolitics. I think so, yes, mm-hmm. it is. Mm. And I'm looking forward to talking about something that we've talked about on Ethereum Radio Live quite often, which is the true cosmic caliber of Dr. Mm. George King. Yeah, uh, that's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, all yeah. of those uh, in the north of England, don't miss that one. That's going to be great. <laughs> Richard, uh, as you may not know, I mean, has had sort of decades, I don't want to make you sound too old, but a lot of experience <laughs> of, with UFOs, and this is uh, many sightings, haven't you? I mean, possibly hundreds. I don't well, quite, know. no, no, not, no, not that many, because I, I, I mean, there, is, there are a lot of possibilities, but uh, in terms of ones that I would say are pretty definite sightings, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's probably in single figures. Mm-hmm. Maybe, no, probably a bit more than that, but, you know, 10, 12, that sort of thing. Oh, right. I haven't counted them all. There's just a few that I absolutely refer to, and uh, you know, a handful really, that I would say are absolutely beyond all doubt. But you only need one. And let me just say something I've said many times yeah. before, which is you don't have to see uh, an extraterrestrial spacecraft or a UFO to believe in them. You certainly don't have to, to see one to get the true cosmic message. There are many people who've had sightings who don't know the cosmic message and aren't that interested in it. And there are many people who know the cosmic message who haven't yet had a sighting. But if you are, it, it, it can be a wonderful experience, especially if mm. you, know, you believe what certainly we believe in the Ethereum society. Absolutely. And it's a very wonderfully inspiring and comforting thought. I mean, I've had a, just probably two or three possibly sightings, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. sort of reminds you, it did me, that we are being, I mean, we know we're being helped and we're not on our own, and it's just very inspiring, very comforting thought. And sometimes we look at the world, especially now, and we think, how on earth can we get out of this? Well, we're not alone, and we never have been, and this, this is just a wonderful reminder. And if people say, well, I've never had a sighting, I'd love to have one, don't forget, as Richard and Alison do, to look up, because you mm. ain't going to see one looking at the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and I must say, when we saw it on this occasion, I have no idea whether they were aware of us or not. I wouldn't claim that at all. But we bowed deeply because it was a definite, clear sighting. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it's very encouraging. But, you know, others can be encouraged by the many experiences. There's no accounting, really, for who sometimes will have a sighting. Sometimes you'll get people who really are not spiritually motivated or interested at all, and yet they've had some very good sightings. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. It, it stays with them. You know, I, I spoke to somebody yeah. once who I'd known for some years. I worked uh, with him, and it was one day sort of he had a sighting when he was a boy, and yeah. it stayed with him very vividly all his life, and I was the first person he could actually feel that he could tell about it. And it was really exactly. spectacular. Sighting. No, I've, had, I've no had that experience interest. too. Yeah. Mm. Mm, sorry. Yeah. But so, mm-hmm. so it's exciting. Yes. So on onwards to Saturnian existence. Did Did you want to do a bit of a recap? Were you saying before we we start with that? 
probably a good idea, isn't it? Shall it do you want mm, me to I think just so. mention the, the uh, freedoms very briefly? And Indeed. Sort of, well, of course, I think listeners know uh, that the nine freedoms is our journey through enlightenment, our journey through evolution. And it involves nine steps. And in previous radio shows, and you can find them on the archive, so please do listen to them if you have missed them. The first one is bravery. And I think we'd agree that this is required every step of the way. Once we take to a higher path, whether really that's a path of integrity or um, service, spirituality, bravery is required all the way along. And the next freedom, love, the great energy of creation, the energy of our true heartfelt prayers, our healing, way above emotion. We'll learn all about what this energy is. And uh, the next freedom, service, which, if you like, is, is like a child of love, because once we begin to experience the energies of love, then it's a natural evolution to want to help to want to put this into action i'd like to compliment you on that phrase chrissy that's a great way of putting it service is a child of love oh Uh, because i've always thought you know some people have said to me you know i realize i can see that i should serve but i i can't feel it i don't i don't really want to i don't you know i'm not motivated to how do i get motivated and of course the answer is love you do need and we all need to cultivate this love energy to motivate us to serve. Yes, good point. Mm. And of mm. course, uh, service is, is the motto of the Ethereum Society because this is what we do in the Ethereum Society. Uh, service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Beautiful motto. And the next freedom is enlightenment. And I would just read one line from that, I think, because I couldn't begin to explain it better from the karmic Lord Mars Sector 6, and he said it's the result of the controlled application of specific energies and procedures towards a predetermined end. Mm-hmm. We're controlling our basic nature. We're using our discrimination. Um, it's not some vague state, and we'll learn exactly what it is in this freedom. And the next one, cosmic consciousness, um, is very, very important. I know when I was young and searching, and hopefully I'm still searching um, in a way, although I found this wonderful path through the Ethereum Society, but still we're always searching, I think. Um, we, I used to think, well, what is samadhi? What is this bliss state that's talked about in, in different philosophies and religions? And it used to worry me that we were sort of going towards this state that seemed to be nothing. <laughs> but when we read... Cosmic consciousness, it's, it's like the complete opposite. It's like an everything state. And you mm. want, I mean, the amazing thing is that Dr. George King actually gives a wonderful description of his own experience of cosmic consciousness, mm-hmm. which is unbelievable, <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. Um, True. The, next, the next freedom, important, ascension, very important because there's so much talked about ascension and ascended masters and here oh yes and um, could i mention on that note sure. by the way a lecture also for people in the uk in london by my wife alison who as you know chrissy and i one isn't meant to compliment one's wife or husband <laughs> but she is an excellent lecturer by according to many many people who've, who've heard her and she's giving a lecture on that very topic as it happens next tuesday at 7 p.m at the Ethereus temple in london 
Yeah, that's going to be a great one. Alison is a wonderful mm. researcher, too, and so you'll find oh, yeah. information in there that you'd never even dreamed of. <laughs> we um, have books actually... piled up by the bed as we speak. <laughs> not surprised. <laughs> yeah. um, so do come to this, uh, and this lecture, if you can, London. Unfortunately, we can't attend it in this part of the world. Um, but this is an, an amazing freedom so much wisdom and so much information which puts us on completely the right track and cuts through all the misinformation that's out there about this subject. And then on the next freedom, interplanetary existence. And here we're introduced into the fact that we are in our evolutionary journey. It's at one point, once we ascend from this planet, we have the opportunity to be introduced into the life cycle of other planets in the solar system, mm. Mars, Neptune, Jupiter, Pluto, and, and then later Venus, Uranus. Um, great freedom is realized. And we're no longer here bound by, by Earth and um, all the time, too, becoming greater, evolving. And here then we reach this next freedom, very important freedom, the eighth freedom of Saturnian existence. Wow, Chrissy, thank you for that recap and that summary. That was, that was excellent. And can I just take just one line from the seventh freedom that we, we discussed last time, uh, which is that this, talking about interplanetary individuals, that, that those on Mars, Venus, the planets you named there, Jupiter, v, uh, Uranus, and so on, it says this, he would rather give up even his present freedom and be cast into the lowest terrestrial astral realms than disobey his masters by even a glance by mm. even a glance and he's referring there to his masters upon saturn to him the divine is reflected through his masters upon saturn and and we've said this before chrissy but we mm. are way out of our depth you and i here and it's it's yeah. way beyond our pay grade but on the other hand, I do find it's incredible what glimpses, what information, what inspiration can come when one studies and contemplates and med tries to meditate on these freedoms. And um, even Dr. King, in his brilliant lecture on the Eighth Freedom, which I do recommend, as we've recommended before his lectures, which are available uh, through our website, ethereus.org, um, the... The, the tone that he adopts when he talks about the Eighth Freedom is a very undogmatic tone. I mean, even he says that some of it is his opinion. We're now moving on to a much, as, as, as listeners will gather, much higher level than we've even gone to already. Absolutely. And also, um, I believe Dr. King said in one of his addresses that you know, there's only one or two channels on this earth, and, and he was one mm -hmm. to receive this. Mm. And so you won't find this information anywhere else. Indeed. So. And, and in fact, um, he, he, uh, I, this information, as you rightly say, is brand new to the world. And there are even yeah. masters who haven't known this knowledge, which we're now going into. So I think we should get cracking into it, don't you, Chrissy? Yeah. Yes, let's. <laughs> and... I shall um, read and then stop and hand over to you. Thank you. So the, the eighth freedom will be Saturnian existence. 
after the life stream has gained experience by living and serving on other planets in the solar system, it is then ready to be introduced into an even greater, fuller, more complete, more aware cycle of existence. It is presented to the lesser solar lords for initiation. After this initiation, it is then introduced into the Saturnian life cycle. At this time, it is neither male nor female, but both in the highest possible sense. Yes, I, I think there's a f- couple of things that I would like to say straight away about this freedom. Um, mm. And wh- one is, well, let's start with one point here. Here we have reference to it. If we look, for example, at the seventh freedom, the reference is to he. So mm. already Mars Sector 6 in delivering this is talking about Saturnians in a different way than we've had so far throughout the earlier freedoms. The entities referred to are it. They're neither male nor female, but both. So we've moved beyond sex, and it isn't sex as we know it anyway in in this reference. It's magnetism. It's magnetic opposites. Um, And as as it goes on, we're going to learn that, in fact, there aren't two, but three of, of these. So that's one point I'd like to make straight away, the use of the word it throughout this freedom. And also, the poetic tone or style, it, it, later on particularly, it becomes more poetic as though deliberately Mars Sector 6 is being more deferential, he, he adopts you know, a more reverential style even in the, in the delivery of this eighth freedom as, as will become apparent. Well, that's a very interesting point. It's not something I've ever thought of, so thanks for sharing that, Richard. Mm. I'll continue. Mm -hmm. The Saturnian cycle starts with an introduction through the logos of the planet itself into Saturnian service. From here, the life stream gradually advances until it is ready to be introduced into the primary life cycle of that planet. It enters this primary life cycle as a cosmic master and gradually becomes amalgamated with another life stream vibrating in nearly the same manner until it becomes sixfold. Yes, that's a very interesting uh, paragraph there, Chrissy, I think that you've read. And I think the first point is to make, it becomes apparent that there are two life cycles on uh, Saturn, or two stages, if you like, a secondary and a primary. And here we are are shown these stages, and we're going to find out later the enormous difference between the secondary and the primary uh, life cycle. Also, another concept is introduced here, which we haven't seen yet in the freedoms, and that is the concept of amalgamation an entity amalgamating with another life stream. And in this case, it becomes sixfold. So here we have a male, a female, and a neither male nor female. There's three amalgamating with another male, female, and neither, or both, whichever way you look at it. And then you have a sixfold being. But they've actually amalgamated, not just worked together. You know, we have a concept quite early, in, relatively early anyway, in our evolution of twin souls working Mm. together and as we evolve of course working more and more closely together but this is a yet another step actually amalgamating with 
another live stream of a similar vibratory rate, nearly the same, uh, and they become one. Actually one being. It's a one sixfold being. And this is the primary life cycle on Saturn, the higher cycle. Thank you for that, Richard. I think the next sentence is very interesting. Then, after serious initiation, it is confined mm. to timelessness. Realization is born. Yes, I sent you. Do you want to say something about that, Chrissy, or, or would you like me to? Well, I, I was just um, reading earlier from the Master's address on the or lecture on the Eighth Freedom when he mm. talks about that. So I don't if I could just share that. Um, yes, please do. Please do. Um, he said that it, timelessness, it, it might be that it casts itself adrift from all other life streams with the, except, with the exception of itself, which is very interesting, mm -hmm. in some mm -hmm. place or other and in some state or other in order to contact that which is within itself. This is a really deep state, Dr. King says, a kind of a meditative state, the like of which we know nothing about on Earth. So I thought mm -hmm. that was very interesting. That is very, very interesting. Agreed. And also, I think if one studies this text, there's a very interesting use of words. First of all, he says, then after serious initiation. Mm. And that almost implies, huh. in a way, that this is our, almost, that to this entity anyway, to this being, the initiations up to date haven't been as serious. I mean, to us, right. they'd be just extraordinary and beyond our wildest conception initiation being of course a rise in consciousness and something which happens throughout our evolution especially for those who take to the path initiations are presented but this is now just given the word serious initiation that's one thing I'd like to mention the other is the sentence it is confined to timelessness and you would think on first glance that it would be not a confinement but a mm. tremendous expansion. But here we have a suggestion, I think. We have a couple of things here. We have a suggestion of limitation leading to freedom, if you like, from free will to freedom, almost as though mm. the entity has to give up the free will of the time zones or you know, living within time continuums. That's somehow a, a restriction in a way, but from it comes complete freedom. I think probably... There's a meditation there which is way beyond me, but I think there's some little secret in the use of those words. It is confined to timelessness. Mm. And realization is born. Yeah, very, very mm. fascinating. Mm. I'll continue, shall I? Yes. The next major initiation causes a division between this life stream and all others. It travels to some place outside of the solar system and spends the equivalent of 125,000 of your terrestrial years in meditation. After this, it returns to Saturn, full proven. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, there's a lot one could say there. Um, and this might allude to the point you were making earlier about traveling to a place outside of the solar system. And, of course, that might be... Um, part of the, um, wherever that place is, we have no idea, but part of the freedom from time, because time is measured, of course, uh, in, in motion, the motion of, of bodies, of, of uh, 
cosmic bodies, planets and so on around the sun. This is how we measure our, our, our year and, our, and so on. And uh, perhaps this movement outside of the solar system is all part of that. And then, then we have this slight paradox. And, and by the way, paradox is going to be a real theme in this freedom, particularly it's come up before in previous ones, but in this freedom it becomes very, very prevalent indeed. And you have a slight paradox here in that there's a sense of timelessness and then it's given an equivalent of 125,000 years. And I, I think that is just a guide, I, I, would, I would assume, for us, because we're so limited, because that entity, that being, hasn't, is beyond such things as 125,000 terrestrial years. Right, right, yes. Mm. Well, thank you for that. And from there, it goes into the primary hall of initiation upon the sun to receive the secret doctrines. It returneth to its planet, and as a light of the supreme interplanetary council, it shineth. Yes, that's beautiful, isn't it? And of course, mm. I just would say the secret doctrines referred to there are nothing to do with the theosophical secret doctrine, uh, clearly. This is a whole higher, well, you couldn't mention the two in the, with all due respect in the same sentence. This is some high, deep initiation of the highest level upon the sun, interestingly, life on the sun. That's the only higher body in the solar system, the sun, as we're going to find out next month. And then this interesting statement, it returns as a light of the Supreme Interplanetary Council, and it shineth. And what is the Supreme Interplanetary Council? It's the, it's the governing body of the solar system. Um, there's an interplanetary parliament, but this would appear to be something uh, even higher. It's the Supreme Interplanetary Council. And such beings who've been through this whole series of initiations, we've had reference here already, to hold a number of initiations, higher rise, raising of consciousness through these various stages, and then it shineth. And Dr. King explains that the Supreme Interplanetary Council is not like our parliaments or our bodies or Congress or whatever it might be here at all, in that it's more of an advisory body. It's just that the beings within the solar system want that advice. They, they hang on, if you like, every thought, every word, every emanation coming from this body called the Supreme Interplanetary Council. Absolutely. Now, the next part, Richard, is very poetic, as you know. Um, yes. Shall I? I can read the whole part. And, but I think that's a good idea, if, yes, if because you, we, have, we have two things here in, in beautifully... Express, which in, in the two things that I've mentioned already, actually, one, that it's very poetic, and secondly, that it's based on the concept of paradox. Mm. And I think just before you do, it's worth reminding people about paradox. I know we've mentioned this before, but paradox is something you find in every single great truth. You don't necessarily mm. find it in basic truth. For example, you, you can't go to a train timetable and say, well, this train leaves at 6 30, which means also it doesn't leave at 6.30. That wouldn't work, you, you know. But in great, deep, philosophical thought of every kind, let me give you just an example, and I've given this before, the thought, I am divine, is a great and deep thought. 
I am a limited idiot who has many lessons to learn. Both those statements are true, certainly of myself, and yet they are apparently contradictory. And I think this is where actually some of the ancient Greeks, for example, some of the philosophy we've got out of there, that, that if you go deeply back to Pythagoras and so on, you'll find it, and before that I'm sure, but it got lost, and then the logic systems built up, missed that, uh, from my limited knowledge of this, that great and fundamental point that you're going to get these contradictions when you, you have deep and advanced truth. And here we're going to have some very deep and elevated truths about some of the most advanced beings we've ever heard of. Absolutely. And so I suggest to the listeners, they take a deep breath and relax and sit and listen with your hearts and souls to this wonderful description. Such a one has no individuality as such, for it is all individual, has no sex as such, for it is twice female, twice male, and twice neither. Such a one has a still body which moves not. Such a one is capable of a division of consciousness which allows it to inhabit up to 1,860 positions in the space-time continuum at one and the same instant. In fact, some of the perfects are able to double this feat. Such a one is not limited because of limitation. Such a one has great freedom because it has rejected all freedom. Such a one has access to all mind because it has consciously and superconsciously, on the intuitive levels, rejected all mind. Such a one is an active blood vessel in the arm of the Absolute. Such a one is a flame of everlasting inspiration. Such a one is all silent, and yet all sound, is stillness, and yet all movement, is a single entity made up of the amalgamation of two, and yet is all entities. Such a one as this, is beyond description. It wow. is the flame. Shall I stop there? Well, I, I, think, I think that's a great place to stop, don't you? I mean, that's mm -hmm. a beautiful description also. Perhaps it would be a good time to have a break, it and then indeed. we can come back and um, go through it, break it down a bit. Okay. So um, let's have a break and hand over to Courtney. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You're listening to a Sirius Radio Live with host Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Um, there are some special events coming up, and I want to re-mention the events Richard spoke about earlier in the show. The 6th Annual British Ex Exopolitics Expo leads on Saturday, September 27th. Richard will be giving a lecture at 11.30 a.m. on Dr. George King, Yoga Master, UFO Contactee. For more information, please venture to Richard's web website at richardlawrence.co.uk. At the European headquarters of the Aetherius Society, there will be a lecture on Tuesday, September 23rd at 7 p.m. The lecture will be on the Ascended Masters, Unraveling the Mystery of the Spiritual Hierarchy, taught by Alison Lawrence. At the Michigan branch of the Aetherius Society, there will be an event, Satsang, Topic, Secrets of the Powerful Prayer, September 26th at 7.30 p.m. 
Love Offering with Gary and Chrissy Blaze. And for more information or if you would like to connect with Chrissy, please venture to chrissyblaze.com. Um, and that event will be held at the Michigan branch in Royal Oak. For more info for both events here in Michigan and events around the world, please visit Ethereus.org. And now I give you back to your hosts, Richard and Chrissy. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Courtney. Well, Chrissy, um, this is fascinating, isn't it? So such a one has no individuality as such, for it is all individual. Has no sex as such, for it is twice female, twice male, and twice neither. Such a one has a still body which moves not. Such a one is capable of a division of consciousness which allows it to inhabit 1,860 positions in the space-time continuum at one and the same time. In fact, some of the perfects are able to double this feat. So that would be 3,720 space-time positions. What does that mean? That means they could be walking on this planet. Uh, let me name one Saturnian master that is definitely walking on this planet and has walked on this planet for hundreds of thousands, millions actually of years. And he goes by the name of the Lord Babaji. That name is used by various beings, but he is the real um, Lord Babaji uh, who is head of the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. Um, very rarely talked about actually, a Yogananda, Paramahansa Yogananda talks about him in his autobiography. Um, but he is in, a, in a, a, an earth body. Whether he's secondary or primary cycle, Saturnian, we have no idea. But he's here. Uh, thank God he is here because he's mm. the most illustrious um, being, one of the greatest masters, probably the greatest master ever to walk the earth um, among us and uh, still walking among, among us. And thank God he is. Yes, absolutely. And then you have this concept, though, here, uh, uh, again, the, the, this paradox come in of a still body, and yet many, many bodies. So it all goes down to this um, point of rejecting something, and then through that, rejecting what we would call free will. It's much higher level, of course, far higher level there, beyond our, our wildest conception. But rejecting movement gives them all movement. Uh, and mm. funnily enough, you can find that sort of concept in the old Vedas, um, in, in, in the Upanishads, for example, there's a concept, I, I can give you a quote here from one of them, the self is motionless, it is swifter than the mind. The divas could not overtake it, it ran ahead of them. Sitting, it goes faster than those who run after it. By it, Matarisvan, which I believe it has various meanings, one of which is fire, supports the activity of all living beings. So, very misunderstood, of course, the Vedas. Uh, very advanced, deep meditations, possibly, which shouldn't have been revealed in the way they were. Who knows? Not for me to comment on that. But we, we've got this concept here of stillness being all movement. And this is, this is something one has to really meditate upon. But it's through their stillness. Dr. King describes them as being in large, incandescent, ovoid bodies. Um, and there's no movement at all, not even a fraction of a millimeter of movement. And through this complete stillness, they have the freedom. He said they could even be a tree. 
in the body of a tree on the earth. Uh, They could travel through the galaxy. They could adopt numerous positions in space-time continuums, even though they themselves, and perhaps because they themselves, are not limited by space or time. That's a wonderful interpretation there, Richard. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's the out of the mouths of babes, I think, in our <laughs> case, certainly mine. And again, we have this idea, such a one is not limited because of limitation. There you have it absolutely explicit. Uh, such a one is great freedom because it's rejected all freedom. What you reject is laid at your, your feet, said the mm-hmm. Master Etherius. Yeah in a transmission we're going to be going into, actually, uh, in, in coming months, from free, free will to freedom. And this is an interesting one. Such a one has access to all mind because it's consciously and superconsciously on the intuitive levels rejected all mind. You know, we have an idea, we have a concept, which has come up earlier in the freedoms, actually, of rejecting basic mind in order to tap into higher mind. But here you have even at the superconscious level, and that's their superconscious level, which is something beyond our concepts, they're rejecting all mind even at that level, even at the intuitive level, if you like. And then you have this beautiful, I think, beautiful description here. Such a one is an active blood vessel in the arm of the absolute. Yes. I mean, that's, as I say, we, he's moving towards poetry. Well, not towards it, he's, he's into... Uh, an, a, a wonderful metaphor here, an active blood vessel in the arm of the absolute, the arm being a very active thing. He's picked not a finger, not, he could have picked anything, he's picked the arm of the absolute. It's, it's a creative, powerful limb, the arm, and they are an active blood vessel. Without the blood vessels, that arm wouldn't function. It's a tremendous tribute in a metaphor to these advanced beings by one who knows them and reveres them. Absolutely. And, and then we have one is all silent and yet all sound. Again, the paradox there is stillness mm. and yet all movement. And such a one as this is beyond description. And yet he's just given us a description. There's a paradox in itself. Yes, yes. Uh, and yeah. continues to, to uh, with the description, actually. Yes, indeed. Which is also very beautiful. So I'll continue mm. with Please that. Do. Thank you, Richard. It is the flame. It is the guiding light which shows us all the way through our darkness. It is an enactment of supreme sacrifice, everlasting service. It is a great and mighty existent intelligence on its way to a complete amalgamation with divinity itself. Such a one is high, even in the opinions of the Logoi. Yes, I think perhaps we should pause there. I think this, I I believe, in in, in what do I know, almost nothing, is a tremendous compliment by the karmic Lord Mars, Sector 6, when he says this, it is a great and mighty existent intelligence on its way to a complete amalgamation with divinity itself. It's a sort of um, flippant, Thing that you find uh, in, in some writings, especially ancient ones, I say flippant, they aren't pro- I'm sure they're not intended to be flippant, but by comparison, they are really, because we aren't. We, we, we're nowhere near amalgamation with divinity itself, and of course it was believed and still is believed by many that if you enter you know, nirvana, 
which is really cosmic consciousness, that you, you will then amalgamate with divine. We have a long, long way, we're being told here, to go before that stage. But they are on their way to this. They, this can be said of them. It hasn't been said of even the Martians, the Venusians, but it is said of the Saturnians here, uh, that they are on their way to a complete amalgamation with divinity itself. And then this last sentence, such a one is high, even in the opinions of the Logoi. The Logoi, of course, is a reference to the planets, Mars, Venus, Jupiter, and undoubtedly other planets. Uh, they themselves hold Saturnian beings, and we're talking here about the primary uh, cycle of Saturnian being, highly, in high regard, we're told. And that's a fantastic compliment. Absolutely. And then Mars Sextus 6 continues. Um, he takes us up so high. And, and then in mm. the next part, it, it, he comes and offers us something that we can kind of grasp onto, I think. And when he says, um, this is freedom, everything he's been talking about, this is freedom. We ask what, what freedom is. Well, this is freedom. And he says, this freedom is offered unto all life streams. It depends upon the effort they expend as to whether or not they will approach this goal in billions of trillions of lives or whether they will accomplish these things in less time. Yes, I, 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 I know why you say that, Chrissy. It um, does bring us, it brings it to us, brings it home to us, mm. that even this is something that even we can get to one day. And I, I think, as you know, and I've said this before, it's just an opinion I offer, that there's a definite plan behind the two core teachings of the Ethereum Society, which we've covered on Ethereum Radio Live, the 12 blessings and the nine freedoms. Uh, perfectly balanced teachings. Uh, in the 12 blessings, as we, we discussed a lot, you have this concept of great peace indeed, but also tremendous sacrifice. And as you mm. go through the higher and higher beings, the Master Jesus reveals the immense sacrifice they are making. Mars Sector 6 doesn't focus so much on peace, but does focus on the tremendous positivity, the freedom, the wonder of these higher states of evolution, and inspires us towards this exceptionally positive goal. It's like the biggest, uh, this is probably a, wrong thing to say but too banal to say but it's like the biggest carrot you know cosmic carrot that's ever been offered and really it's it's a it's a diamond encrusted one because we are given a vision of what we actually can achieve and it's a wonderful vision one day absolutely it is it's um it's the only way to, I mean, what else can we embrace on this planet that will give us this path upwards? You know, and if we look at the world, we can get depressed by everything that's going on. But when we, when we come back to the nine freedoms and we reread it, we realize that what really we're aiming for, and um, it's so inspiring. Mm -hmm. So such a one as this is revered by us all. For through such a being as this shines a spark of the absolute, a spark of the absolute which we can see for ourselves, for we cannot see the absolute itself, only its manifestation. 
that really there, by the way, I think is a definition of what Bhakti Yoga in the old school, and the Bhakti Yoga of following a master, should be. Um, mm. the, the following of that master, because of they are closer to the divine, and you can see, as is expressed here, a spark, they see, of the absolute in these beings, and that's, that's what they revered. Oh, very good point. Yes, absolutely. And the next part, such a one as this is revered beyond all description, beyond all word, beyond all thought. If such a one as this says, nay, it is that. For it speaketh in the wise tongue of silence, yet it speaketh. Yeah, there we have a wonderful, <laughs> paradoxical, mystical, metaphysical statement. It speaketh in the wise tongue of silence, mm. yet it speaketh. So it's almost like saying it is speaking. It's not speaking, but it is speaking, because it's not just their silence, like audible silence. It's, um, or, you know, silence of, of non-thought, you know, above mind silence, and yet being translated through mind. It's a very, very deep um, yeah. concept, that. It really is, yes. And being a very shallow individual, you know, we can only, <laughs> I can only scratch the surface. But there's, there's great profundity here. I would, I would advise anyone who listens to Ethereum Radio Live to really take these things, as we have the, the privilege and, I must say, the pleasure of researching this for these programs and as one does so one one awakens tremendous inner realization it's really well worth it i strongly recommend you not just to read this but to take it line by line and really contemplate what you get from its meaning not intellectually so much but what thoughts arise in your higher consciousness i know exactly um, and you'll find that if you do read things over and over again, you'll have these inspirations that will suddenly come to you, like a, a realization of, of something that before you missed. And what I really Indeed. want to say, and as a short advert here, is that um, if you don't have a copy of The Nine Freedoms, you can obtain not only the book, but also the actual cosmic transmissions as they were given uh, through the Aetherius Society, aetherius.org. So I highly recommend, if you're loving these radio shows, and you can listen to them and re-listen to them, I know it's, that's wonderful, but to actually have these freedoms is very different. Indeed. So. And of course, if you listen to the, the, the words and the way it's expressed, you get the energy behind the thoughts, imbuing yes. you and filling you as well. And I must say, Dr. King's lectures, he was at his, I mean, his peak uh, in terms of as a, as a teacher of, of metaphysics, if you like. I mean, Chrissy and I and others were very lucky to know him later uh, in, in life. This would, these lectures were delivered in 1961, the year that the, the Nine Friends were delivered. And he was a, a master who was frequently entering Samadhi in that phase and, uh, you know, had not too recently completed his, his yoga training and his yoga experience and it shines through in the kind of teachings mm -hmm. he gives in these lectures later on of course he moved you could say to more advanced cosmic projects in a way in terms of activity not in, in terms of teaching 
Um, and, you know, his focus was, was different. But those early lectures, from a metaphysical teaching point of view, are second to none. And as far as I'm concerned, they are transmissions in themselves from a cosmic avatar. Absolutely. Um, I'd better continue with the next part, Richard, because once again, as please we do. often do, we're kind of running out of time. Yes, um, please also, do. Also, Courtney wanted to have a, a minute at the end for announcements. Too, sure. So. The next part, um, such a one as this is revered beyond all description. I've actually read this part again, but I'll just repeat it then. Beyond all word, beyond all thought. If such a one as this says nay, it is that, for it speaketh in the wise tongue of silence, yet it speaketh. These are the masters of the planetary system who are actively engaged in helping all life streams to evolve out of their darkness, their ignorance, their suffering. I mean, I have to say, Richard, that after you know reading this freedom, listening to what you have to say, and reading Dr. King's uh, lectures and so on, listening to them, and it comes to this line that these beings, these great holy lords, they are actively engaged in helping us. Oh yes, <laughs> it's I incredible. Know. It's just an incredible, it incredible. It kind of really struck me this morning. Um, yeah, you know. So I think we're, it's our duty to learn as much as we can about them. It's not I just agree. something we want to do, but it's something I think we have to do once we hear this line. Mm-hmm. And uh, True. it's quite moving, actually. Mm. So I'll continue. The eighth freedom Eight. is brought about by sustained effort, by obedience, by dedication beyond all description, by service by the dispensation of true love, by controlled thought, controlled action, controlled inaction, by raising the kundalini fully upwards, by cosmic consciousness, by conscious ascension, by interplanetary experience, and by amalgamation into the whole. Yes, I think we should just pause there with that list because there you have, if you like, the path in yes. one series of steps. Uh, obedience is the first thing on that particular. Actually, sustained effort, of course, uh, which is, you know, you yes. could say is hard work. And that's yes. something that some people don't seem to, in the New Age movement, some people, I'm not judging everybody, I'm not judging anyone really, but some people don't seem to realize how important hard work is. And that is sustained effort, and keeping at it, sustaining it, not saying, well, I've done this for five years now, I think I'll do something else. You know, one has to keep at it. By obedience, not popular, not a popular thing nowadays, anyway. Uh, It's quite a reaction against obedience. And, of course, inappropriate obedience to the wrong source is, is not healthy. But if you find someone greater who you accept and who you're willing to therefore honor and obey, and you do, or a teaching that you're willing to obey, um, then that's essential. Dedication beyond all description. Again, this, this vital importance of commitment, of loyalty, of staying on the path, regardless, regardless, just staying on it. Service, dispensation of true love, covered that. And then I think this very interesting statement here, by controlled thought, controlled action, Controlled inaction. I think, you know, we, we often hear controlled thought and action, 
We also have here controlled inaction, which is extremely difficult for some people, including myself sometimes, by the way. Controlled inaction, but absolutely crucial at the right time. And then raising the Kundalini fully upwards, that's the key, of course, the key to evolution. Uh, that's a whole lecture in itself. Cosmic consciousness, we've covered. Conscious ascension, we've covered. Interplanetary experience. And then this word again, amalgamation into the whole. Now, it's interesting because there is a list that he's giving of the various steps. Uh, love, service, um, and then you, we have cosmic consciousness, ascension, interplanetary existence. We have the fifth, sixth, seventh freedoms listed there. And then the next statement, which you might think would be Saturnian existence, he says, amalgamation into the whole. Oh, that's and interesting. Is, is, is that his description of what Saturnian existence is? Mm -hmm. uh, again, this, this, it's a word we haven't had up until the Eighth Freedom, amalgamation. Yes, that's certainly, it comes through a number of times, doesn't it? It's very mm. interesting. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for that, Richard. I, I will um, continue with the last part, actually, of this freedom. And um, this is very, very interesting, too. Mm. And I know you're going to shed some light on this. <laughs> the wheel turned twice and consciousness was born. The wheel turned four times and consciousness evolved up to interplanetary levels. The wheel turned 1,980 times and consciousness was evolved up to secondary Saturnian level. The wheel turned 9,458 times and consciousness was evolved up to primary Saturnian level. Take this into the silence with you. You will be better when you come out of it. All transmissions now discontinued. This is the closing absolute cosmic bombshell, I think, that we're given here. <laughs> and it's brilliantly and, and in a way poetically expressed to give us a concept of the gap in evolution. Uh, the wheel turned twice and consciousness was born. So this is the whole stage up to consciousness starting. And the wheel turned four times, and consciousness evolved up to interplanetary levels. So it's a relatively right. few turns, if you like. It's, it's not just measured in time, but it's, I, I believe, in evolution here. Uh, and the word is evolved up to interplanetary levels. That's the previous freedom, the seventh freedom. Now... The wheel turned 1,980 times and consciousness was evolved up to secondary Saturnian level. You know, you might think, well, it turned a dozen times and that would be an enormous leap. But 1,980 after four, all the way up to seventh, the seventh yeah. freedom, is a gigantic leap. And this is secondary Saturnian level, and then you have the wheel turned 9,458 times. Another, even more gigantic gap between uh, secondary Saturnian level and primary Saturnian level. Now, what does that tell us? I'm sure many things. I'm sure we meditated, we learn many things from this. 
But one is, I think, is the nature of evolution itself. And it's something we probably could do well to think about because I know we haven't got much time left here, but we think, for example, if you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor, you, you think, right, I've got a five-year course perhaps at university or medical school, wherever it is. Uh, I've done three, so I've got two to go. That's what we think of as learning. Right. But when it comes to evolutionary learning, the gaps become gigantic because you have more power, more ability, you're in a stronger karmic position, and therefore you can do far more and you're motivated and able of doing far more. So the, the evolutionary gap gets ever and ever wider and enormously wider. You have a kind of an accumulation of evolution, if you like. don't want to get too wordy about it. Something to think of. I think perhaps the only basic example I could give is, unfortunately, a financial one. You know, if you've got £100 to invest, you can only get you know, 5%, you get £5. If you've got a million, you, you, know, you get 50000 or whatever, whatever it is, if I've got that right. Um, and so the gap becomes wider and wider, only it's even much bigger than that. And um, it, it's, it could, we could see this, even at our very basic level, as highly inspiring, because it means that if, for example, we could do a certain breathing exercise correctly, because we've got the ability to do it, we could go through a thousand years of evolution, whereas if we can't do it correctly, because we're not advanced enough, we only go through you know, a relatively small time of, of evolution when we do the same exercise. And the gap gets ever and ever wider. And here, it's exponentially gigantic. I think that's a very good place to finish, actually. Exponentially <laughs> gigantic, which really is a, a good explanation for this, a good description of this freedom. Um, and also, I mean, Richard, it, it gives us such an elevated goal. I mean, people talk about goal yeah. setting. I'm sorry to bring it down to earth, you know, <laughs> to basic stuff, but we're told that we should have the most elevated goal that we possibly can have, and uh, this is it. I mean... <laughs> it is. It is. Our eventual destination. Indeed. So, thank you so much, Richard. You, this is just thank a wonderful you, um, description that you gave and uh, insights that you gave into this very profound And you too, freedom. and thank you for the wonderful reading. Oh, of course, and I know that... Um, I know that Courtney is asked for a minute and a half. I think we could give her that, don't you, Richard? Oh, definitely. She <laughs> certainly deserves it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, guys. You have been listening to Ethereus Radio Live. Ethereus Radio Live is your cosmic connection the third Tuesday of each month at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. I want to remind everybody about the events earlier in the show, and if you'd like more information about them, please venture to ethereus.org. You can connect with Richard uh, by visiting his website, richardlawrence.co.uk, and you can connect can connect with Chrissy by visiting her website at chrissyblaze.com. I want to thank everybody for listening and joining in today, and I wish everybody a happy month, and thank you very much, Chrissy and Richard. Thanks, Courtney, and thanks, everybody, for listening today. Thank you.